What's up guys, this is Zhishen here, and in this podcast series, I hope to talk more about the current affairs which are affecting us. Each week, I will select a particular incident and elaborate on how it affects us in Singapore. Similarly, I'll bring over guest speakers each week to discuss their views on a particular matter. Stay tuned! Hi, good evening. Welcome to the sixth episode of the New Fuse Juice. If you have been enjoying our previous podcast series, please feel free to share this on relevant social media websites as any publicity would be helpful. And on today's episode, I'll be talking about how a former NSF became radicalized and planned to attack Jews outside a synagogue. Secondly, I'll provide some information raised in Parliament in regards to the wearing of Tudong in uniform services. And on to the first news. I'll be summarizing from relevant social from relevant news websites such as the Straits Times, Today, and Channel News Asia. So on to the first news. How that a former full-time national serviceman, Amiru Ali, age 20, was detained by the Internal Security Department, or more commonly known, the ISD, last Friday. Here are the details of how he became radicalized and his plans. In 2014, Amiru's interest in the Israel-Palestine conflict started sometime in 2014 after he viewed a video showing Palestinian civilians being bombed by Israeli fighter jets. He researched the conflict online and was convinced Israel was oppressing Palestinians and his hatred for the country deepened. In 2015, he read a book glorifying the AQB, the military wing of Hamas, and wanted to become a fighter in Gaza. And in 2018, he met a foreigner in Singapore and discussed his intention to travel to Palestine, Palestine to join the AQB. He was encouraged to do so and was told he would become a martyr if he died fighting against enemies of Islam on the battlefield. Between mid-2018 and 2020, Amiru made preparations to travel to Gaza to take up arms alongside AQB. He planned to fly to Cairo and travel through Rafah border crossing, and from mid-2020, constructed a replica AK-47 rifle from wood and plastic for practice. He planned to travel abroad after completing full-time national service later this year, and when he had saved enough funds by working as a chef. In July 2019, Amiru watched a CNA documentary on the Jewish community in Singapore and was enraged that Jews were thriving peacefully here while Palestinians were suffering overseas. He decided then that he would conduct an attack against Jews at the synagogue. In August 2019, he began making proper preparations for the attack. He planned to use a Smith & Wesson knife that he had bought in 2016 for his scouting activities. He also downloaded an image of the human vascular system and decided to target the midsection as the best place to stab his intended victims as he will cause a quick death from massive bleeding. He then made a replica knife to practice stabbing motions and grips and nicks at home to avoid damaging the actual knife or injuring himself. From August to October 2019, Amiru made at least two reconnaissance trips to the Magav. Machin above synagogue in Waterloo Street 
and identified a suitable spot along the exterior wall of its compound from where he could ambush his victims as they left their place of worship. He was careful not to take photographs to avoid attracting security attention. Instead, he downloaded an online picture of the building. Amiru then planned to carry out his attack on a Saturday after Jewish congregational prayers. His goal was to kill three Jewish men and assume that they would have served their national service in Israel and hence had carried out an alleged atrocities against Palestinians. He also intended to conceal his face with a white kefaya or scarf, pull his targets by the right shoulder and stab them in the midsection before fleeing. He would then post a manifesto online to incite all oppressed people to mount attacks against the tyrannical regimes, regimes I, I pardon, pardon, using any means necessary, including assassination and vigilante justice. In October 2019, Amiru then had second thoughts about his attack plan. I was concerned he would not attain martyrdom should he be arrested and sentenced to death after the attack. In his mind, he could only achieve martyrdom only by fighting in an actual battlefield in Gaza. And in December 2020, he revisited his attack plan when he became enraged by an online video about the killing of an unarmed autistic Palestinian man by Israeli forces, which had been uploaded on YouTube in June 2020 by TRT World. Amiru considered mounting the attack on Christmas Day and planned to wear a black ski mask they had bought in March 2020, as he had seen AQB fighters donning similar masks. However, he shelved his plans again as he had doubts over attaining martyrdom in this manner. And in early 2021, fortunately, the Ministry of Defense alerted ISD that Amiru, while serving his full-time NSSM administrative support assistant, could have been radicalized by extremist ideologies. He was then arrested under the Internal Security Act, ISA, which was previously covered in two or three episodes ago at episode four, I guess. And uh, investigations indicated he had acted alone and had not tried to influence or involve others. His immediate family and friends were not aware of his attack plans. As he was assessed to be an imminent security threat eager to engage in violence, he was issued a detention order under the ISA on March 5. So, my personal opinion on this matter is that I fully respect and applaud the quick thinking by both Mindef and the ISD to quell this before it went out of control. It is personally shocking for me to see that there have been many youths, especially those early 16 and now even 20 years old, are getting more radicalized. I mean, more and more are getting radicalized and inciting various racial and relig religious tensions. As the internet becomes a bigger threat, I believe that this problem will not be solved in the long run. I hope that instead of, instead of, um, I believe that one way of reducing self-radicalization is through the usage of I don't know, some censorships in place which can help prevent such radicalization to take place or even more, we should enroll, I mean, the government or I mean, the ministry could do some educational lessons, which helps 
others or even like regular teens like me myself to spot who spot signs of radicalization and possible methods in which to prevent yourself from being radicalized through this um bigger from from this we'll be able to have a bigger pool of people who'll be able to spot who's radicalized and prevent such incidents from taking root as singapore is a multicultural and multi-religious society i believe that it is correct that it's extremely important to balance the fine lines fine lines of different ethnicities race and religion as they are all essential to our country and as such i believe i agree what minister shamogan said that Singaporeans are entitled to take any course. You can take the stand of the Israeli course, or you're entitled to take the stand from the point of view of the Palestinian course. But then he further said that you're not allowed to actively attack one because of their, simply because of their race or ethnicity. That's wrong. So having these checks and balances in place, such as the Internal Security Act, really prevents tragedies from happening, prevent tragedies from happening, unlike in other countries where it has happened, although security forces at first had prior knowledge about it, but didn't do anything about it. So I applaud the ISD for making such decisive actions. <laughs> and on to the second news. I'll be raising the point of of why, I mean, I mean, of what was talked about in parliament two or three days ago, of how sensitive issues such as wearing of Tudong in uniform services should be discussed behind closed doors, as quoted by Mr. Masagos. So, previously there's a big uproar after this statement was made. So I give you a, also I'll provide you with a context behind um, what was said in Parliament and the circumstances behind it. So, in on February twenty four, the minister in charge of Muslim affairs was responding to Mr. Faisal Manak. I am sorry, the Workers Party of well, the Workers Party member of Parliament MP for Aljunied GRC, who had raised the issue in his budget debate speech on February twenty four. In his speech, Mr. Faisal asked whether the government would relook allowing. Muslim women to don the headgear while working in uniform services such as nursing, adding to that rule barring them from doing so has deterred many Muslim women from taking up such roles. Um, during the debate on the Ministry of Culture, Community and Youth Budget set aside for Muslim affairs for the upcoming financial year, Mr. Mazagos on Monday noted that this is not the first time that matter has been raised, stressing that the government's secular stance has been consistently clear in policy making. This is our approach when dealing even handedly with requests from different religious groups, especially when it affects our common spaces, he said. Explaining why the uniform policy in the public service cannot be tilted towards any religious belief, Mr. Mazagal said that in services that play a critical role in society, the uniform is a visible sign that the service is rendered equally, regardless of race or religion. Allowing tudongs would carry, uh, I'm sorry. Allowing tudongs would introduce a very visible religious marker that identifies every 
to a young wearing female nurse or uniform officer as a Muslim, he said. This has significant implications. We, don't, we do not want our patients to prefer or not prefer to be served by a Muslim nurse, nor do we want people to think that public security is being enforced by a Muslim or non-Muslim police officer, he added. This is what makes the decision difficult and sensitive, and on why the government takes a closed-door approach when discussing such issue, issues. Mr. Mazagor said, public aggressive pressure can only make the compromise harder. Any government concession to religious pressure will also cause other groups to adopt similarly aggressive postures. Hence, for sensitive issues like the wearing of tudong in workplaces where uniforms are not required, I mean are required, discussions and consultations with the community continue to be held behind closed doors, he added. Mr. Mazagor's point was reiterated by Dr. Malikim Osman, who stressed that the government has engaged union leaders religious leaders and respected members of the community, putting to them the concerns of the government and other community leaders outside the Muslim community. Dr. Maliki, Minister in the Prime Minister's Office and Second Minister for Education and Foreign Affairs, said that the uniforms serve to project the common identity which, in turn, develop an esprit de corps, de corps and strengthen camaraderie. In the case of public health care services, Uniform underscores that our healthcare workers are neutral and provide impartial care regardless of race or religion. This is a reminder to both the healthcare workers as well as the person receiving care. This is in addition to the uniform meeting operational and safety requirements, said Dr. Maliki. Maliki. Mr. Faisal on Monday asked why opposition MPs such as himself were not included in these closed-door discussions on delicate issues. In response, Dr. Maliki said whether Mr. Faisal Manak participates in this session or not, I think the most important thing is a large segment of the community has been consulted and we continue to consult them. Acknowledging that while Mr. Faisal may not agree with the government's approach on such issues, Dr. Maliki noted that the government has the support of religious scholars and community leaders to understand these issues, especially those Involve racial and religious religious sensitivities are complex, and any decisions on them should not be taken lightly. We hope that they will also be, in their own ways, discuss these matters with their members constructively, yet in private, away from the glare of public. I hope Mr. Faisal Manak can do likewise. If he wants to speak to community leaders, he can do so, but away from the glare of the public. And in my opinion, I feel strongly that Singaporeans, because of their race or religion, should be allowed to don any of their religious um clothing which may be important to them. As we are a nation that prides ourselves for being multi-ethnic, multi-religious and a multifaceted country which makes us seem that we're being hypocritical by not allowing people to wear that in their own uniforms. I know that they they said that it might not be able to read 
I mean, may not be able to reach um, operational and security requirements. But you can see in other nations, such as in New Zealand, where they even allow Muslim women to wear the hijabs or tudong in their line of work. So I don't understand their viewpoint in which they don't allow them from wearing in Singapore, especially where we pride ourselves of being such a multicultural society where we accept and embrace everyone's race and religion. So I hope that the government could work better on that. And secondly, for them to say such issues should be discussed behind closed doors feels a bit off-putting to me in a way that this issue, sh this issue should be openly consulted with every member of the public to garner their own, to provide them with their own feedback and personal opinions about it. As, and it's not due, based on the select few who represent the community as a whole. And as such, I believe more feedback is required about this. Additionally, on the subject of religious headgear, six in Singapore have been allowed to wear turbans in uniform services, hospitals, and schools without issues since the colonial era. Turban six also have a special exemption from helmet laws. So, such examples raised previously still gives me questions over why is this even in, why is this not, why is why are they not allowed to wear their headgear in the first place? Yeah, and that's all for today. Once again, thank you for listening to my podcast episode. If you've been enjoying this episode, please feel free to share this on relevant social media websites. And once again, this is Jushin signing off. Bye-bye.